The most festive of spookiest of greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your morning, day, night, whenever and wherever you're listening from. It is truly appreciated. Those awesome tunes, as always, are courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and I am, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. I hope everybody had a great Christmas, a great holiday. You know, whatever holiday you celebrate or whatever, I hope that you were just truly surrounded by love and laugh and creating these amazing new memories and delicious food and family and friends and whatever traditions you do. I hope it was a great one for you. I was with my family and it was amazing. My family, I'm just so lucky to have them and I just love spending time with them. And so there we go. Was in Chicago, still am in Chicago. Good times for sure. Now since I am in Chi-Town, I thought that I would have this episode be about a haunted location here in Chicago. So while I'm here for another week or so, if you know a place in Chicago that I just absolutely have to go to that will blow the socks right off of me, Not really, because it is the Windy City. It's going to be cold. I'll need those socks. But I would love to hear your recommendation of places to go to. So please hit me up on the Paranormal Prowlers Podcast Facebook page. The Chicago Water Tower. This gorgeous Lamont limestone tower, it stands at 192 feet tall being built in 1869 and designed by William Boyington, an impressive architect who designed several notable structures throughout and around Chicago, including the eye-catching entrance to the Rose Hill Cemetery, a place where he rests eternally, and the old Joliet Prison. Not only was William an architect, but he was also the mayor of Highland Park, Illinois, I believe for two successful terms. The Chicago Water Tower is one of the oldest buildings in Chicago history, and to date it's the second oldest water tower in the United States. Any takers on what the oldest water tower is? The oldest water tower in the United States is the Louisville Water Tower in Kentucky. Now the Chicago Water Tower contained a pipe that stood about 140 feet high to pump water from the nearby Lake Michigan, and it would be used for several different things, and this included the Chicago Fire Department. Now, throughout the years, the tower had seen renovations, including in 1913 and 1978. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1975. Today, the tower serves as the Chicago office for tourism and even has an art gallery inside, so it is definitely open to the public, and I will be going there to check it out, and if you are in the area, you should too. So head on over to Michigan Avenue and check it out. You can't miss it. It's kind of the big-ass tower reaching up to the sky. 
During the seventh and eighth days of October in 1871, a horrific fire occurs, leaving Chicago in a nightmare of an inferno. The destruction? Oh, God, it was so massive. It destroys over 17,500 structures, 73 miles of roads, 2,000 lampposts, 120 miles of sidewalks, and leaves well over 100,000 people homeless. By the time it's all over, it will have killed more than 300 people, and God knows how many animals, and $222 million in damages. Remember, this is back in 1871. Today, that $222 million would be $5,422,841,311. Wow. Rumor from the very beginning has been that the fire that brought Chicago damn well near to its knees, destroying much of the city, was caused by none other than a woman's cow. It's believed to have started in a barn when Mrs. Catherine O'Leary's beloved cow, Bessie, accidentally knocks over a nearby lantern. Others claim that while it did indeed happen in the barn, it was no cow that caused the fire, but a rowdy group of men who were in there gambling and it accidentally gets knocked over. This has never been proven, either of these. They're just guesses or theories or what have you. Catherine O'Leary had come from her homeland of beautiful Ireland and was loving life in Chicago. If the rumor is true, it was just an absolutely horrible accident. She didn't intend for this to happen. A supposed reporter named Michael publishes an accusation piece, if you will, that the fire started in her barn, therefore her and her cow, Bessie, be responsible for all damages and what have you. Yada, yada, yada. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Well, he will later admit that he had fabricated the tale. Catherine shares that at the time of the fire, she and her husband were in bed and have no clue of how the fire had started. The official report read, quote, whether it originated from a spark blown from a chimney on that windy day or was set on fire by a human agency, we are unable to determine, unquote. The first person to raise alarm of the fire was a man who had seen the barn on fire and ran to the barn doors to release the animals, yes, one was including a cow, that was trapped inside. He then rushes to tell the O'Learys, who were unaware of the fire at that point. The fire leapt over the south branch of the Chicago River and destroyed much of central Chicago, then leapt the main branch, destroying the near north side. You know, really, when it comes down to it, the water tower is the only building really left standing in the fire path. With plans to rebuild the Windy City, it is decided to build around the water tower so it would be closer, more convenient, and easier access if such a catastrophic event would ever happen again. Now, just a few short years after the fire, in 1875, a man named Frederick Kaiser commits suicide by jumping off the tower. 
The man had come from Germany, and he unfortunately suffered from depression. Now, before his suicide, he had spent time in an asylum. Well, now we know he was not ready to leave. But back then, they didn't know, and he was released back into the world. Now, you know, when he gets out, he wants a fresh start. He does try to get his life back on track. All he really wants to do is live a somewhat normal life. Who can blame him? That's all he wants. He doesn't want money or fame or, you know, a Lamborghini or a drop-dead gorgeous wife. He just wants normality. Well, he finds a job as a bookkeeper and tries his hardest to be happy. Frederick's family, they see him trying. And they praise him for his hard efforts. They appreciate what he's doing. They know it's not easy for the young man to do so. Well, fast forward to the evening of October 21st, 1875. Kaiser has a mental breakdown. And like a moth to a flame, he heads over to the Chicago Water Tower. Witnesses come forward saying that fateful night they had seen the man at the top of the tower where he had sat for quite some time, I guess. But then to their horror, he leaps off. Around six years after Frederick Kaiser's death, another tragedy strikes. The year now is 1881. Hugo von Malapert, like Kaiser, had come from Germany. Hugo had come from an extremely successful and wealthy family. He himself, not so much. He often struggled financially. And been there. So sorry, I feel the pain. So one day, he meets his friend Victor in front of the tower. The tower standing tall and proud by them as they spoke. Hugo and Victor, they speak about their homeland and how life has treated them since arriving to America. Victor, on one hand, he is ecstatic. It's been a dream of his to be in the United States, and he shares that with Hugo. Yeah, Hugo, not so much. He's unhappy, depressed, disappointed, and what the hell? Let's be honest, he was homesick. Homesick. <laughs> Boy, I've been there. Even a few days ago, I just had this sadness in me. And, you know, when you're far away from home, from your normality, from your comfort zone, your family and friends, and you're away from them and you don't see them for a while, it gets hard. And I've been there. I, I suffer through that every year when I'm in North Carolina, away from everybody that I know in Colorado. So I definitely feel his pain. I mean, I was on the verge of crying all day that day, and it was so annoying. I I had to kind of yell at myself and say, snap out of it, you know. But anyways, so Hugo, he's disappointed. He's not happy. And so Hugo, he you know, he wants very much to leave Chicago, leave the United States, and head back to his native land, Germany. He tells all of this to his friend, and Victor, he's listening intently, and he tries to convince him to stay, saying something like, come on, Hugo, hang in there, man. These things take time. Give it a chance. Be patient. 
His encouraging words fall upon deaf ears, going in one and immediately right out the other. Tumbling right out, may I say. Hugo, he's not listening. He doesn't care anymore. Instead, he hands Victor a paper with a phone number on it, telling him, hey, this is my boss's number. Go visit him if you need a job, as there will likely be a vacancy tomorrow. He damn well knew that he wasn't going to live throughout the night. He knew his friend was in need of money and a job. Even though he was happy, you know, he wasn't like Hugo where he was like depressed and upset, but you know, he still needed things. And so Hugo gave him this information and it's just so sad, this whole thing, you know? And so it is here at the Chicago water tower where friends Hugo and Victor would meet one last time, having one last and final conversation. And it is here at the tower that Victor himself would find his dear friend's body. The man that struggled financially much of his life had $200 on him at the time of his death. Again, this is back in 1881. Today, that would be around 5840 ish bucks. And he had a note with him, on him, on his person, and it was for his now former employer basically saying, sorry, this happened in here. This is my, my debt. I'm paying my debt off to you. So got to give the man kudos for doing that. You know, I mean, he, he felt he couldn't live on anymore, but he didn't want to screw the people over that helped him out in the past, including his friend you know, giving him that reference and then doing that as well, paying his debt off. So two men who couldn't find another way out, just so incredibly sad. It's believed that both spirits of Frederick and Hugo haunt the tower to this very day, not only in the tower, but around the tower as well. And there's another spirit here. Word is that when the great fire of Chicago was happening, I mentioned that earlier in this episode. One of the workers for the water tower stayed behind to man the pumps, hopelessly and desperately pumping water in hopes that with that water, the Chicago Fire Department would be successful in distinguishing the fire. Well, unfortunately, he was so occupied doing this that the fire inched closer and closer and closer, and he just he didn't notice. He was desperately trying to do something. He was a man on a mission, and he was going to do it. He didn't find out until it was too late. He knew he was going to die. He knew that he could not escape. So he did not want to be burned to death, you know? So he hangs himself in the tower. Several folks, locals and tourists alike, have claimed to have seen what's believed to be the doomed man's shadow through a window still hanging there, forever hanging. Some would see an apparition of a man hanging there, and it looked so real that the concerned people would call the police. And I mean, who wouldn't? I would. You know, you see somebody hanging there, it's like, holy shit, you know? Well, many a times the police had come due to these frantic phone calls and searched high and low all around the tower and the surrounding area, and they never found anything. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing weird, no spirit, you know, no hanging body, no nothing. One person shares that they had worked there over 10 years ago, I believe it was back in 2011, and had seen several spirits 
during their time as an employee there. In the late 1980s, while under renovation, there was a particular night that the Chicago Fire Department receives several mysterious phone calls that are coming from the tower. And what's so mysterious about those calls is during the time of the renovation, the phone services had been temporarily shut down until renovating was complete. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? Eh, no need to get all teary-eyed on me, sweetheart. You can just binge listen right now by hitting up any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Podcast Republic, CastBox. Wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to St. James, Missouri, Shibuya City, Japan, Bayonne, France, Bethesda, Maryland, and Eustace, Florida. Thank you, everybody. It is greatly appreciated. Again, I hope you had a great holiday, and I hope you continue to have a great holiday, hanging out with your family and friends and still getting that yummy food. Love it. I celebrate all throughout into the new year, so I hope you're doing the same. Do you have a spooky location or a curse idea for an episode? Have scary stuff to share? Maybe a local haunt? Be sure to reach me at paraprowl at gmail.com, or you can always find me on the Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page where I'm lurking about. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs> next year.